the DMZ's thriving resident, the crane. Rare cranes have flourished in the world's unlikeliest of sanctuary, the heavily mined, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. This is a complex parable. Red crown cranes are an important symbol on both sides of the border for longevity, purity, and peace. The cranes thrive in the demilitarized zone, DMZ, between the countries because of the relatively undisturbed habitat. The heavily mined, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Jesus' disciples once asked him why he spoke in parables. He responded by saying, The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, they do not understand. Parables bring a yellow highlighter marker to the landscape and say, Pay attention here. From our reading today, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin, yet I tell you Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. The Smithsonian article reports that they're one of the rarest birds in the world. Less than 3,000 survive in the wild. A major cause is loss of habitat. Between 1950 and 1953, over 3 million people died in the Korean War. The armistice in 1953 ended the fighting and created the DMZ, a strip of land 160 miles across the Korean Peninsula and about two and a half miles wide. There's no industrial or agricultural development allowed on either side in the DMZ. So in that picture, it must be kind of in, the, in the middle of that that we can't really see very well. It serves as a buffer zone for the humans. For the red-crowned cranes, it serves as a sanctuary, a temporarily undisturbed habitat. The cranes are migratory. They are trespassers of human-created borders. They're boundary crossers. They're light-footed, light enough to walk without threat among the thousands, perhaps even a million landmines in the DMZ, installed with the express purpose of destroying life. But they can't destroy the cranes who parade over them unharmed. The cranes are revered by both sides and are a symbol of peace. There are conservationists from the north and south working together, however cautiously, to protect and expand the crane's habitat. Now, it's at this hinge of what we do and what we don't learn from the non-human world that the living parable of the red-crowned cranes gets especially interesting. We long for peace among the peoples of the earth, peace in the Korean Peninsula included. But here's the catch. If there is ever to be peace between the North and South Korea, the agreements of the demilitarized zone would be lifted. The land suddenly a candidate for development. 
The Smithsonian article notes that in the event of reunification, a huge port is proposed for the DMZ's Han River estuary where white-naped cranes winter. A reunification city is planned as well. Development pressures would be tremendous. From the perspective of the dwindling red-crowned cranes and other species who found refuge in the DMZ, conflict among the humans rather than cooperation, at least in this case, has shaped up to be a good thing. Conflict among the humans is not a good thing, but cooperation among humans can and has put us in conflict with the larger forces around us. And there's a parable for that. It's an old, old parable. Once upon a time, everyone on earth spoke the same language. They all settled down in an area together, and they had a big idea. Let's make bricks. And let's stack those bricks, one on top of the other, to form a massive tall tower that reaches to the heavens. We are going to make our mark. We're going to be remembered forever. And they were so clever and good at planning and communication that that's what they did. They started to build a massive city and a massive tower. Now the Lord came down from heaven to check up on this curious species, the humans. The Lord was all about cooperation and collaboration, was pleased that large clay Legos inspired her children to play so well together, but was faced with a dilemma. If they can do this, what else might they do with their powers? So the Lord made a difficult decision and cast a vote for linguistic diversity. The humans now spoke many different languages and can no longer make their plans to build this great tower. They were scattered all over the earth in smaller tribes. And the place where they'd once tried to build their tower to the heavens was named Babel, which means confused. In our time, the effects of Babel are being rapidly reversed. We can understand one another and cooperate and collaborate on an unprecedented scale. There's still places of conflict where we tear down rather than build up, but more and more towers go up every day. And with them, more and more of the other species retreat into diminishing habitat. And I suggest that the question of the parable is, can we cooperate with one another in such a manner that the Lord of mercy and justice would not want to disrupt? Can we make peace with each other without declaring war against nature? Will we merely see or will we also perceive? In the bulb there's a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons, a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be. There's a song in every silence. There's a dawn in every darkness. How many parables is that? And that's only halfway through the song. We touch the world. 
with our consciousness. We choose to find meaning amidst the chaos, amidst the violence. Will we merely hear or will we also listen to the parables that seeds and the polar bears and the ash trees and the honeysuckle are trying to tell us? Consider the parable of the Tower of Babel. Consider the parable of the red-crowned cranes. Consider the words of today's hymn. From the past will come the future. What it holds, a mystery.